0: Speaking today about communion, we have not done communion during our Sunday morning services. Usually we do a separate time, Sunday nights, the first of the month. But we're going to start doing it during the service for a number of reasons. Uh, The first is just that there wasn't a lot of people that were able to come when we actually did it on Sunday nights. um, Because all of you are very busy. And communion is a very important thing because communion means more than... Simply eating these elements together, but communion literally is this unity that the body has together around the person of Jesus, and so we want that to be able to be shared together, and uh, which is perfect. So <laughs> there, there is this sense in the theology of communion of welcoming people into it. Right? That it's an exclusive body because it's only those who who acknowledge Jesus as Savior, but it's also this, this incredible view of, of justice where where Jesus is saving people who could not be saved any other way. And so it's, it's cool as we go into that. So pray with me, please, as we, as we begin. Father, I think we're going to sing a song later, and, and I, I pray it right now that I, just, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Father that this morning I pray that that you will you will raise us up to acknowledge you as God to worship you God that you would you would pull away any of our own limitations that we bring our hearts get so full of of barriers and, and just meaningless things. And I pray, Father, that this morning for myself and for everyone here that, that there won't be that hindrance from loving you, from seeing you, from being able to worship. Um, so I pray that we will, we will understand the cross and we'll understand communion in a new way this morning. Maybe just a fresh way. We pray this in your name. Amen. So if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. That will be the, the scripture that we're reading, starting in verse 17 and going until 26, actually we'll go all the way to 27, or 28, just for the benefit of everyone. <coughs> But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry, while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord myself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. We'll just finish this out. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. So, communion, a very, uh, very common, even expected thing when you come to church. Um, I'm going to be reading a couple quotes to you today from A.W. Tozer. He has a book called Radical Cross, and it was beautiful as I, as I went through it. There's this clear distinction between the cross and communion that that we have to see together, obviously, with his bread and, with his his body and his blood, uh, the cross seems like it's uh, it's yoked inseparably. But I think we forget what the cross is. In A.W. Tozer's book, he said uh, we're more. It's more common to see people wear the cross when it used to be that the cross wore people, right? And that's it's really this transition that we have. Is we're very comfortable bearing the image of the cross, but. <laughs> we forget that it was despised because it wore people, right? And so that's when we come to communion, we come to this, this interesting place of us um, thanking God, us praising God, us being happy over something that, that remains mysterious, remains for us, um, I think, filled with really untapped meaning, and this is what A.D. Bitozer says, and I really appreciate it. So he says, If we would know the power of truth, truth, we must emphasize it. Creedal truth, and that meaning, you know, if you re- re- recite a creed, of being, I believe, in the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, right? and then the Holy Spirit, and all these different components that make up what your conviction is. He says, Creedal truth is a coal lying inert in the depths of the earth waiting to be released. Dig it out, shovel it, into the combustion chambers of some huge engine and the mighty energy that lay asleep for centuries will create light and heat and cause the machinery of a great factory to surge into productive action. The theory of coal never turned to wheel nor warmed to heart. Power must be released for it to be made effective. And that, that is the same thing with communion. right? That we need to unearth it again and find what is the power that we are giving God thanks for in communion. That literally, it is this thing that the theory of communion, the theology of communion will have no impact on our lives unless we really come to see it truly and acknowledge what God's doing in it. Um, so I'm, I'll just give you a, some pictures of what you might often, words and pictures of what you might often think of or see or uh, visualize when when you come to communion at a church, you might imagine men in flowing robes doing some kung fu over a glass of wine, and, and all of a sudden, they just, you know, it's holy water, right? That, wh- Where did that come from? Right? Or you might be familiar with other names like sacraments or Eucharist. Um, what do those mean, right? As, we, as we've built up this, this theology, this theory of communion, Um, And and I'll read to you, (laughs) in the Book of Common Prayer, and it's interesting, and I don't don't say any of this to belittle it, because honestly I love tradition. I I go into big cathedrals and I'm filled with this sense of awe. I I really admire the beauty of tradition. But we have to point out also the silliness when it hinders us from seeing the seriousness of what it actually is. So the Book of Common Prayer says this. So many as intend to be partakers of the Holy Communion shall signify their names to the curate or the pastor at least sometime the day before. Which you didn't have to do, you didn't know. It's okay. And if any of those be an open and notorious evil liver or have done any wrong to his neighbor by word or deed so that the congregation be thereby offended, the curate, having knowledge thereof, shall call him and advertise him. That means tell the whole congregation... That in any wise he presume not to come to the Lord's table until he hath openly declared himself to have truly repented and amended his formerly naughty life, that the congregation may thereby be satisfied which before were offended. I'm sorry if you're going to follow that. It's, it's Old English, it's the Book of Common Prayer, Anglican Church. But so this is, this is, <laughs> this is our the history of communion, right? As this was written. And it's been practiced. And what they do is, literally every time they come to communion, the people the day before have to write their names in so they can actually take it. And then, they'll come and the, the bishop or the curate or, or whoever is administering the sacrament will then uh, recite long portions of scripture. This includes reciting the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments so you'd know if you did anything wrong. Right? And so then if you lived, as this says, naughty, then you could repent of that and take communion. Um, but for us, I, I, don't, I don't think that necessarily uh, helps because, not because it's wrong, but because it doesn't at all uh, truly ask us to acknowledge, um, in a manner of true understanding, what actually is going on. Because um, I think it's actually harder than we make it. Um, and though it seems hard, right? It seems hard that maybe this person had to be advertised in front of the whole congregation to be naughty. I mean, imagine, right? My dad's preaching. And he's just like, you know what Daniel did last week? That'd be pretty rough. And the reason why they did this, why, is because they wanted it to be sincere. But I think sincerity was lost. And, and why would it be lost? I guess is the question there. So I'm going to go through really quick... Um, what was happening, why they started doing communion, and and why we're doing it today. So it started when Jesus, um, this, this last supper he was having with his disciples, and the last supper they were having was called the Passover. Um, and this was to acknowledge this time when Israel, who had been in captivity in Egypt, were getting called out of Egypt by Yahweh. But before... They were going to be released. He went through Egypt, Yahweh went through Egypt, taking the firstborn child of every household that did not have the blood of the lamb on the doorframe of it. And, and I think this, this, this is hard things, and this will help us enter this deeper level of communion. <laughs> Unless there was blood covering the home, the firstborn son would be taken. And so, from that time on, they would celebrate the Passover by taking a lamb into their home, keeping it with them, as it became part of the family. And then they would take that lamb and they would sacrifice that lamb. And then they would sprinkle the blood on the doorpost. And then they would roast the lamb and they would eat the lamb. And with that, they would, they would bake bread, right? unleavened bread. And the reason why it was unleavened bread, meaning without yeast, is because they were in a hurry. Right? Where were they in a hurry to? They were in a hurry to leave. Right? And so they'd, they'd stay dressed. They'd, they'd dress up in all their journeying clothes, and so they'd be ready to leave. And then they would remain in, in the house until morning. And then right before they left, they would burn everything. They, not their house, they would just burn the lamb and everything that remained of the lamb and the meal. And so this is what Jesus was doing with his disciples. Right? They were remembering when Passover, which means being spared, or, or literally to pass over, when God, who required that they be blown the doorpost so he would pass over that home, did, and they were spared. But the difference, see this is interesting, this is when we begin getting into it. The difference between the Last Supper and the original Passover is that in the Last Supper, the firstborn son would be claimed. Right? That as Jesus took the elements and he offered them, saying, What this is whose blood? This is my blood. This is whose body? This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Because whose life would be claimed? because his life would be claimed. And because of that, then you could be passed over. And so we, be, we begin to enter this, this deeper level of understanding. Um, for each of the elements, I'm going to explain them a little more to you, just so you understand and, and appreciate the history of it. So, bread in the, the Old Testament culture was something that was incredibly valued and should be for you too, because it's at the base of the food pyramid. But they valued it more because they didn't have candy stores. Right? And so it was something that, <laughs> it, is, it is funny to think about, right? We do flip the food pyramid upside down. Um, but they didn't have the opportunity to do that. It was really um, living from hand to mouth, right? It was survival. There, there was actually a custom that if someone found bread, if they were traveling, they found bread on the ground. Either they would, they would pick it up and carry it until they found an animal to give to, or they would put it in a tree or in a wall. right? So a bird can eat it. Right? They had this profound respect for bread. It was amazing. So, and I'm not like trying to read this then into the value of bread and the Passover. But, but to appreciate that bread back then was something. So as, as Jesus uses, this is my body, this is, this is bread. This is substance for you guys. Right? And I think it's hard because we don't have a lot of things that we consider commonly Necessities. Right? my dad always makes jokes about him being Dutch because he eats everything on his plate, and it's true. We had this salad this last week that none of us would touch, but he ate the whole thing. Right, and that, that was like bread to them. <laughs> they would eat the whole thing because it was it was substance for them, and and it's difficult for us to begin appreciating communion because there's not a lot of things we consider sacred anymore that all of us would consider sacred. All of us would come and... is uh, <laughs> an example. So there's this game Cranium, right? And there's one of the, the games you have to play is you get a word and if two people write the same words, then you win the round, right? And the word that we got the other day was a mullet and both people wrote in the 80s, right? And so you got it. So if, we, if I threw out the word sacred and I said, okay, let's see if we all come up with the same word, we wouldn't. <laughs> Right, or if, if I if I said n- necessary things for life, right? We probably wouldn't because somebody would be far more concerned with the new sale at Missy's than than bread, right? They would spend their money on the newest uh, product from from Apple, right, rather than purchase for them bread or or like we were talking, these two hundred people, right? That, that died without families, right? And arguably, these, these people that go homeless or hungry, right? And, and so, do we consider it necessary to have communion to welcome those people into our communion? What does that look like, right? So, if we really begin, <laughs> we're asked to go to a deeper level, I think. And, and communion begins asking us to go to a level because it's saying, This bread is something that you should see as being as a foundation, and this is who I am. I'm, I'm the bread of life, Jesus said. The blood is similar to that. It it was known as this this life principle. And it wasn't simply human blood. It was actually they considered vegetables having blood and grape. right? The juice from the grape being like the blood of the grape. And it was simply this life principle that filled living things. And so when Jesus said, this is my blood (laughs) given for you. um, Blood had this incredibly uh, vital sense to people that... That we don't really appreciate it for today. I think because, because you can get blood transparency, so it's, it's not seen as precious to us. Because why? I think because we fall back so often on, well, if this happens, then I can just do this. But blood wasn't like that for them. Blood, was something that was a life principle for them. the last one I'm just going to talk really quickly about the cup because um, the cup is actually referred to a lot in the Bible and, and especially we notice the cup when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and what does he say he says if possible would you Father take this cup from me and we have a terrible misunderstanding of the cup in, in pop culture because of the Holy Grail right so like what you seek Right? with coconut shells and riding through the desert right. that's uh, Monty Python on the Holy Grail right? or, or Indiana Jones right. <laughs> and this seeking of the cup or the Da Vinci Code right? we, we create and I want you guys to keep this picture in you because we fail to see the deeper levels of communion because we go to our deepest level and we think God will satisfy our deepest level of need, not realizing he exposes a deeper level of need than that. Right? And so the Holy Grail for us is always the deepest need that you can articulate. Right? And that's, I think, also why we misunderstand communion. Because it's always like, I come and whatever I really feel like I need to be satisfied, whether that's a relationship or whether that's, you know, you name it, that's what I'm going to insert into this, what Jesus satisfies me with. Right? And so cheers to that. But that's also, there's a deeper level that it needs to be exposed for us really to appreciate communion. And this is what Jesus is communicating with the cup. He says, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of many sins. And that's the exciting thing about the blood of Christ, is it's confirming a new covenant by which our sins can be forgiven, and we can just we can be in literally communion with God. Um, So both, I guess, both in the physical sense and in the spiritual sense, we find something that's that's wonderful and terrific in communion. The first is literally. The physicality of it that's beautiful to us. We live in a wild and wonderful world where, where some people have gag reflex when they eat oysters and some people just eat them down. Right? And it's this sense of, of feeling, right? That we come to when we come to communion. That I hold the bread now. And I, I drink the grape juice because I'm remembering something, right? It's, it's helping me. It's tangible, It helps me in that way. In the same way, right, that if you sit down with an engaged couple like Mike and Kaylee, they'll be holding hands the whole time, right? Why? Because holding something helps, right? It helps identify something, right? We're together, right? And so as we take communion, it's this physical sense of I'm I'm approaching the table, I'm, I'm taking the bread, I'm acknowledging something with it. But then it goes further in the spiritual sense. And, and we'll begin to see this and the difficulties with it as we see Jesus begin presenting himself as the bread and the wine. In John 6, he feeds the 5,000. and The whole chapter really is explaining communion to us. He feeds the 5,000 and because of that, what do they do? They try to force him to be king. Why? You can satisfy our needs, right? If you can give us bread, then we don't need anything else. I mean, you just hang out and give us bread, and then we'll be satisfied, right? This is utopia, right? So they want to make him king. And this is what he tells them. He says, You want to be with me because I fed you, but you don't understand. Don't be so concerned with perishable things like food. Right, so he's taking him to a deeper level. He says, True bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And what do they say? They say, Sir, give us this bread. <laughs> Deal. Where do I sign? <laughs> I, you're not just going to give us bread, you're going to give us eternal bread. That's great. Bread and eternal life. That's wonderful. Right? Be our king. But they weren't in for what he was going to tell them. He says, I am the bread of life. And he goes on to say, Then if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you'll share with me. And you know what they respond to him? They respond, You are crazy. You are Joseph's son. Right? We know where you came from. Right? And so they immediately, this, this acknowledgement of what we want and what we think will satisfy us, you couldn't be that. Why? Well, because you're Joseph's son and we're not going to eat you. Okay, that's weird. So what is he asking them to do? And he goes, on, he goes the whole way, all the way to the very end where his disciples even say, this is hard and who can accept it? And then Jesus asks them, without explaining it, he says, does this offend you? And then what does it say? It says, then many people desert him. Right? And so this is when we begin to see communion. Right? As not an easy thing. Why? Because it's not exposing what you already know. It's exposing something you don't know. It's exposing a deeper need than what you actually know. And so this is the hard thing about the cross and where it unites us in communion is that the cross which Jesus died on isn't a cross that he... he, See, when he died alone and then he offers it to us, he offers it to us. Why? So we can join him on the cross and effectually die ourselves. And so when we go to the communion table, what we're saying is, I want to die at a deeper level right because you're exposing a deeper level than than I've been able to expose myself I thought you were just going to satisfy this need but then when I came to communion I came to the cross you started exposing something that I didn't even know was there and that's that is communion right and I think this is silly you can laugh but but really <laughs> right I think our modern view of communion is something like twilight. Right? That's funny. But it is. Right? You're a vampire, and you have this insatiable bloodlust. Right? And if you satisfy it, then... Right? Oh, then you feel better. Right? And so so that is, is... that is how we function now. We're like, I just have this need and this desire and if I just satisfy it, then, then I'll be all better. And so there's this, I've never seen the movie, but I always explained it. And I guess there's this like weird relationship where like he needs her and she needs him and he's like holding back and, right? But that's how we view communion, right? <laughs> really, this is how we view communion. We're like, well, I know I need it, and so I'm going to go up and like take it, and then I'll just be better. <laughs> right? And the reason why communion isn't asking us to be at that twilight level is because what teeny boppers think will satisfy them is not what will really satisfy them. It's the truth. Really, we... We want that. We think that is what will satisfy us is, is this like this weird mysterious desire that eventually if I satisfy it and then Jesus will sat that's what communion is Jesus is satisfying this and then and then I'm I'm just satisfied for life. Right? Sign me up. But then Jesus starts speaking in a way that separates people, that makes people uncomfortable, that makes people desert him. Because it's a deeper level. Right? We, we can't stay at this, this Hollywood level of, of beauty and, and appeasement and self-desire. What is Jesus doing? A.D. Tozer writes to this, he says, The cross cuts into our lives where it hurts worst, sparing neither us nor our carefully cultivated reputations, it defeats us and brings our selfish lives to an end. This is what communion does. If we should suddenly be revealed to those around us on the outside, as Almighty God sees us within our souls, we would become the most embarrassed people in the world. And that, that is what, sorry for keeping using this analogy, but that is what twilight misses, right? Is exposure. No one's exposed in twilight, Right? And that's what we want. We think, we, we really, I think, I think we have the cross, we have to come to the cross and realize it's presenting a different salvation than what we, what we want. <laughs> right? It's because it's, it exposes us. Where, where what we can easily represent is what we desire, but the cross is saying, no, that's not what you need. So if we are, Exposed. It says, If that should happen, we would be revealed as people barely able to stand, people in rags, some too dirty to be decent, some with great open sores. Do we think that we are actually keeping our spiritual poverty a secret? That God doesn't know us better than we know ourselves? But we will not tell Him. And we disguise our poverty of spirit and hide our inward state in order to preserve our reputation. You can't preserve your reputation if you come to communion. We also want to keep some authority for ourselves. We cannot agree that the final key to our lives should be turned over to Jesus Christ. Brethren, we want to have dual controls. Let the Lord run it, but keep a hand on the controls just in case the Lord should fail. So we talk a lot about deeper life and spiritual victory and become dead to ourselves but we stay very busy rescuing ourselves from the cross. And I think that's commonly why we miss out on communion. That part of ourselves that we rescue from the cross may be the the very little part of us, but it it is likely to be the seat of our spiritual troubles and our defeats. People will pray and ask God to be filled, but all the while there is a strange ingenuity and a contradiction within which prevents our wills from stirring to the point of letting God have his way. But when that man takes his place on the cross with Jesus Christ once and for all and commends his spirit to God, lets go of everything and ceases to defend himself, sure, he has died, but there is a resurrection that follows. And that that is communion. When we are no longer, when you approach the table of communion, you're no longer trying to hide the fact that you need a Savior. Right, and there's a deep in you that's been exposed. right? And you're not trying to fill it any longer with candy, but the, really the bread of life. right? Is there any way, Aaron, that we can... Do you know, this buzzing, if we can stop it? We tried. Is it the speaker? Okay. We'll do that. Sorry about that, guys. Um... It was so convicted, it just couldn't handle it. <laughs> so, this is why people were repulsed by the table. Right? This is why people were repulsed by Jesus. Do, do we, are we getting this? I, I really want us to get this if we're, if we're going to take communion together. The, the, I think we, we remain at this level of the people who said, Okay, Jesus will make you our king because you can give us bread. Right? And we like that. But, but then when Jesus starts actually describing what that is, he goes, no, I'm, I'm not just going to take care of your needs, your, your physical needs. That's not what's going to happen. Um, his prayer to the Father, right? His, in John 17, he's, he says, Lord, they, they, Father, they will have trouble... But keep them, protect them. So it won't even be that when you take the table of communion, it's not at all saying you'll be comfortable. It's saying when I relate with the cross of Christ, there will be inner pain as I begin working through these deeper things. Because right? I realize that, that when Christ was crucified, I also need to be crucified. Right? And that's the relationship that you're building there with him. Not one of getting out of it, but one of joining him. Right? And when you experience that level of deeper death, then you can experience the true resurrection with him. And, and I guess I'm, I'm sharing this too out of this, this weekend as I studied. It was just really hard for me. right? Because I really it would be a lot easier to talk about how Jesus makes things easier. Right? Well you do this and then it's great. And then, um but it's hard, man, it's hard and you, you begin having him, him not just say, okay, I'll take care of it, but him say, okay, this is what I need to take care of in you. <laughs> and then you begin saying, oh, wow, I, I want to I keep the key to that. Right? I'm not going to give you the key to that place in my life. I'm not going to say you're the only one that can unlock those areas of my life. I, I, I want to hold that. Um, and this is the self-evaluation that you need to come to as you come to communion. Um, as you begin asking God, God, have I constantly been asking you just to satisfy this area of my life, this shallow area, right? So when I, when I really want to get married, and I'm, then I'm going to just give that to you and be like, no, Jesus is awesome, and then I don't, right? And so we, we constantly live at this level where, where God is asking us to go really deeper than that, way deeper than those areas in our life. And asking us really to come into relationship with him and experience a deeper life. In Colossians 1.13-15 it says, You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So it's a beautiful thing. But like I said, there's that, that area that needs to be cut away. And, um, and so I think for some of you coming up to the table today, um, it'll be a real time of, of rejoicing because perhaps you really are, are there. You're, um, you're coming to Jesus saying... God, I really, sincerely, Father, I just, um, I want to be known by you. And I, I don't want there to be hindrance there. And, and so it will be time of acknowledging what Jesus has done. For some of you, it might be just like, well, holding off on the table. you like, I, I don't know if I'm ready to acknowledge that in my life. That I have a deeper need for you because that's really what communion is. Um, but then those that share it together, um, then that's where the communion of the saints really begins. Is that we have this great cloud of witnesses that, um, that saw Jesus so worthy of throwing off everything that entangled right, and pursuing Him alone. Um, and so I, I will just welcome you guys to come up. Um, we're going to play a few songs, and then in the last song, um, my mom and dad are going to come up and, and hold the, the bread and the water, the bread and the juice, and. Um, And then you'll come up and just, there won't be any like waving over you or splashing you or anything. It'll just be, you take the bread and you you dip it in the the juice. And it's simply this acknowledgement of, I have a a deeper need that's only satisfied me. You only save me, God. I can't save myself. And so to acknowledge that and acknowledge that together. And I think why this is cool to do at the beginning of the year uh, is because this is how Christ builds his church. Right, is people that are together acknowledging that Jesus you alone save at that deeper level. We can do a lot of things as a community together, right? We can we can provide housing, we can we can give food, right? We offer clothing, um, all these things, seek justice of others. Um and so a lot of people ask, well if we can do that, if we can successfully do that, why do we need Jesus? And I think it's because they're they're maning at this this <laughs> expectation that Jesus is just gonna fill their pantries. That's not what it is. Um, so, for those that acknowledge Jesus as Savior, he builds his church there. And, uh, and so, let's share this together and, uh, and really worship, because that's the beginning of it. So, I'll pray for us, and then we can take communion later. Oh gotta think of the, the old song... It says there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. And, um, and <laughs> I've always thought there's something sort of repulsive about that. And I think cause it's hard um, to need another person's blood. Father, and I pray that we We'll begin to see the, the deeper, more full life. Um, so that your Holy Spirit will um, will bring to life these words that it won't be merely repulsive or it won't many won't scatter from hearing the scary news that, that in their deepest life is where they need Jesus, it's not where they need to stay hidden. Father, I I thank you again for the cross and for your call for us to join you. I pray like those that were on the road to Emmaus and when you broke the bread, you opened their eyes to see who Jesus was and I pray today that will happen for many. As we take communion again, you'll open our eyes just to see and appreciate Jesus. We pray this in his name, amen.